Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. We've already prayed for uh, Jamin today, but we're going to just continue to pray for her through this service that God would touch her. So we are uh, sad that she couldn't be with us, but we understand uh, headaches and and uh, that kind of stuff. So she's just getting rest today. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna jump into a Q and A with uh, Jeremy Hart today. He's an evangelist, and I'll let him kind of introduce himself a little bit. If you want to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, all of that. Sure. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you today. Um, looking forward to a great Sunday. Uh, and this is a, a unique uh, thing. I don't know that that uh, we've ever done this this setting at any church uh, over my years of evangelizing. So this is very neat. Um, I was born uh, in Muskogee, Oklahoma. I was um, raised a, a preacher's kid, and so um, I am the the embodiment of what Merle Haggard used to sing about. I'm a real Okie from Muskogee. Um, but I was I was raised a, a preacher's kid in a preacher's home, and um, as a as a child, um, friends at school had their uh, sports heroes and their uh, Hollywood heroes. For me, my heroes were uh, preachers, and uh, having been raised around the ministry and around the things of God, uh, ministry was just a part of of our life. Really, it was the the uh, totality of our lives in in so many regards and um and so so ministry was um just having been a part of our life a natural aspiration if i could say it that way um and as i begin to get into my teenage years um i cannot take you to one specific moment where um i i can literally say that in that moment at that place god called me to the ministry um, because it was it it was just seemingly put in me from uh, a very young age. It's what I wanted to do. It was um, at the, the 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 top of all the list of dreams. That was that was what I had hoped to do, and uh, so that desire was was always there. Um, however, I can take you to a moment uh, where God confirmed to me uh, on the Oklahoma District Campgrounds. Um, that it was indeed him. One of my greatest struggles, and I know maybe I'm diving uh, deep too quick here, but uh, one of my struggles uh, as a teenager with just um, re- not wrestling with the call, but but discerning, I guess maybe is the, the better word, discerning the call was, uh, is this truly uh, God calling me, or uh, is this just me wanting to fulfill my childhood dreams? Uh, is this just me wanting to be the the fiftieth uh, preacher in in uh, the family? Uh, my mom came from a large family, and they were all preachers, um, and so that was the struggle for me. It wasn't it wasn't uh, surrendering to the call of God. I was ready for that. I wanted that, but I was uh, 
wanting to make sure that it was indeed God. And so I can't take it to that moment where the Lord confirmed to me that it wasn't just some dream or aspiration. It was indeed uh, something he was doing and calling. So um, at about that time, I was, I was uh, probably 16 years of age or so at that moment uh, when I did feel the confirmation from the Lord. And um, at this point, I was, I was singing um, and, and starting to preach a little bit. And uh, again, God had just put it in my heart that at some point, whenever that was, I didn't know, but at some point I would travel and evangelize. And so um, I graduated high school and went directly into uh, college at Oklahoma State. And uh, through the, my college years, I began evangelizing part-time um, here and there, mostly around Oklahoma. And then uh, when I graduated from college, um, of course, I got a graphic design degree. And as, as any uh, program would, they are, they are desiring for you to get placed in a job um, working in the area of, of your a degree, and so as as we begin to near graduation day and the and the completion of that uh, final semester, uh, we're of course for our our grades, scheduling interviews, this kind of thing, working towards the end of being placed in a job. And I begin to realize if God has called me to evangelize, um, working a nine to five job is going to be uh, to some regard. Um, a limit on how far I can go or what I can do as far as evangelizing. So I felt like God had brought me to a crossroads, that it was either this or that. Many evangelists uh, in the early stages of evangelizing will do both, and that's great if that can work. For me, I felt like it, it, was, a, it was an either-or thing. And so um, through a series of, of events, God opened some doors um, that made it clear that if I would just take the step of faith and trust him, that he would um, guide my path. And so um, I, I turned down the, the offers um, and I think most of the interviews, in fact, um, and began evangelizing. So that was in January of 2012. And so coming up, um, coming up this coming January will we'll mark 12 years uh, of evangelizing, and it's, it's flown by. I did it for six years by myself as a single uh, young evangelist, and those six years couldn't come to an end quick enough. Uh, Jamin and I have been married December, uh, will be six years, and uh, so God's been good, and we're thankful uh, to be a part of, of his purpose and doing the will of God. Well, and you guys were um, using the RV for a long time as well, which I'm assuming before that you kind of were just on the road in a car by yourself. <laughs> yeah, so um, those six years that I traveled by myself, um, I I just traveled in my little Honda CRV. Um, I stayed in pastors' homes at, at times. Uh, more than anything, um, I would stay in evangelist quarters at churches. Uh, many of them were kind enough if I was preaching in their district or their section. Uh, for several weeks at a time, then then one church, if they had an evangelist quarters, they would allow me to stay there for uh, for week week after week. Uh, in some cases, uh, and so yeah, I was I was uh, quite nomadic, um, just bouncing from 
evangelist quarters to evangelist Not quarters. Not that a life, a wife, a wife would enjoy. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know you guys went, you did the RV thing, but now you're kind of uh, transitioned out of that as well. We we did. Yes. Uh, when we got married, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, gonna uh, subject my wife to, to just uh, wondering where she would sleep from week to week. So we bought an RV uh, just a couple months before we got married. And so uh, we traveled in that for four and a half years and loved it. Uh, we made a lot of great memories and got to see uh, a lot of beautiful areas of the countries and, and camp in those places. Uh, and then uh, after about four and a half years, it just got, uh, the walls started closing in and uh, we started looking for some uh, extra space and you just can't, you can't uh, build an addition onto an RV. So uh, so yeah, we're living in a house now, uh, and, uh, still, still traveling as much as we did, uh, just a little different means. We're, uh, we'll fly out on the weekends now, uh, maybe on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then fly back home on Monday. So we'll have a few days in the week at home, then be gone on the weekends. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, when I first met them, they were, well, I filmed in the RV and, you know, we're getting lighting and cameras set up and it was you know it was tight but intimate yeah <laughs> setting yeah, yeah. um but they had a they had a ping pong table in the, i don't know how you stored that in there but they had a ping pong table that they'd pull out when they'd stop and like play ping pong That's and I, so when i heard they got rid of the rv i was like i wanted to play ping pong <laughs> like i was really hoping to play um so i i guess that kind of leads us into another good question which is like what does your schedule look like and maybe even more specifically um you know, uh, kind of what's the next step when you leave somewhere? What's that look like? And then um, week to week, what does your schedule kind of look like? I know you covered a little bit of that. but Sure. So um, that that is a good question. It's a difficult question to answer in the sense of um, evangelizing makes it difficult to set uh, very much of a routine. Um, so what I mean by that is one week will look completely different from the next week. Um, and so, uh, I was told this when I first began and it's, it's, it's been, uh, proven to be true. Um, an evangelist has to be ex extremely flexible. Uh, he has to be, um, able to adapt to whatever is happening that week. Um, because your schedule is, is very much fluid. Um, your daily schedule, uh, is in many ways, dependent upon um, your ministry schedule for the week or or whatever's happening. So I guess um, practically to put in into example what I mean is there are some weeks where we may preach uh, somewhere on a Sunday and then we may not be preaching again till the next Sunday or or we may preach Sunday, we may preach Wednesday night and then the following Sunday. And so uh, those weeks, um, we're going to have a couple of, of days off where uh, we'll work on personal projects. Uh, my wife obviously is, is an author, so she spends a lot of time writing uh, when we have days where we're not um, preaching somewhere. Um, I serve uh, in the Oklahoma district uh, as district youth president now, and so there's a lot of planning that goes along with that. There's a lot of things uh, to be done um, all throughout the year. So uh, there's that. Um, we tried to we tried to uh, take uh, 
we're not we're not I'll preface this we're not uh, succeeding I wouldn't say in this area uh, the greatest but um, we we do try to take a day um, in the week um, and just rest relax um, especially if we're home we try to, to carve out a, a day of the week just to, to kind of do some of our hobbies uh, I'm a big uh, a book guy I love um, old books especially and so um, for me a, a good day just to recharge is uh, to go home I've got a room at the house that's nothing but uh, a, a comfy recliner and just about every wall is covered in in books so for me just to sit in that chair uh, and to read I can I can do that all day and I'm ready to go after that uh, for my wife it's different um, She's got different ways that she recharges, but we do try to do that. Um, other weeks, um, we may be preaching a revival Sunday through Wednesday or Wednesday through Sunday, or um, in some cases, there's not a lot of these anymore, but in some cases, Tuesday through Sunday. Um, I think coming up here in two weeks, we've got a, a revival that goes Sunday to Wednesday. we got Thursday off, and then we start another uh, revival Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I think we're—I think I'll be preaching seven or eight times. Um, I think it's eight times that week from Sunday to Sunday. So um, there's not much routine there. Uh, you get up and go eat with the with the pastor, and then pray, study, and get ready to preach. That's that's just so it's very fluid. Um, you have to you have to be workable. You have to be adjustable. Um, in the cases where we're not home, where we're on site at a church in a revival, um, like I said, the, the 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 schedule for the day is: you get up, you you do your your routine, you pray, read, have your walk with God, and then in many cases we're on the the pastor's time if he wants to meet for lunch. Um, some pastors are very much um, wanting to to spend time in fellowship when you're preaching a revival. So um, I've done a lot of things with pastors beyond just having lunch. I, we've we've uh, cleared brush. We've mowed yards. We've we've uh, went appliance shopping. Quality, uh, quality time together. Yeah, you just, if whatever he's up for, if he wants you there, you're on his time. So you just go with it. <laughs> While you're here, I'm going to put you to work. Um, well, we actually, we do have some brush over here. We, yeah, we... <laughs> I take you, it all back. I'm glad I you take mentioned it all that. Back. Um, so uh, you know, we came came out of COVID. I know we, we had the the video was was kind of during that phase, and um, you guys were in flux there and not sure what. So I, I can't imagine what that looks like on a schedule when you're used to being able to travel everywhere. Um, so, but coming out of that, we're moving into obviously a, a better season of being able to to move and travel and and all that. So in this past year, kind of what are some, some good reports you guys have been seeing? And then also maybe are, are there any trends that you're seeing um, nationwide in the church, uh, in, in, in the organization or anything like that? I know that sometimes uh, we see trends like that. One of the, uh, maybe one of the things, too, that this is another question, but is um, we, you know, we pray for prodigals a lot. And so... Uh, I think people are also interested, are, you know, are you seeing prodigals coming into the church or just what are those trends like and kind of a good uh, status update on how things are going for you this year? Sure. Um, 
So that is what that is one of the things that that we enjoy about traveling and evangelizing is is um, seeing so many different uh, environments and and going from church to church. Uh, every church is different. Every church has its own personality, um, and so what is happening at one place, going to the next, and just seeing all that is is so fascinating. Uh, but we have seen some amazing things. God God is doing some great things uh, right now. Um, one of the first that comes to my mind, we were at a church in Texas, and um, I think we were there maybe a couple Sundays in a row. Anyway, we had had great services. It, got, it came to a Sunday night, and um, I don't even I don't even know if we had gotten. I don't even think I preached that night. I think we uh, walked to the pulpit, sang a couple songs. There had been an incredible uh, spirit of worship just throughout the, the, the service thus far through the, the uh, praise and worship time. And so we sung a couple songs. Holy Ghost started moving. And um, it was one of those moves of God where, where it wasn't just a few came to the altar or um, I don't even initially, I don't think anyone actually came to the altar it was just a a move of God all over the sanctuary and and in so many places we could look across and God was was just moving powerfully and people were responding and so uh, we just flowed in that vein that night and uh, before it was all said and done um, I think there were there were several people got healed that night a couple things that notable things that happened um, in the course of this this move of God um, there was there was a lady that um, I, I, I had I had just obviously kind of surveyed the crowd was going and praying for different ones uh, people were starting to come to the altar but but many were still praying across the sanctuary and I, I remember looking up and there was a center aisle down the middle of the sanctuary and I looked up, and I remember I, I saw a a lady sitting about halfway back on on the uh, end of the the row uh, that I hadn't seen in any of the services, uh, and even at the beginning of the, that Sunday night service, I didn't remember seeing her. And so I, when I laid my eyes on her, I thought, "Where'd she come from?" And um, I went about praying for whoever I was praying for, and. A couple minutes later, I came walking back across the platform, and that lady was standing in the altar right in front of the pulpit with their hands lifted. And uh, some of the uh, church people came over and began to pray for her. Well, we got the story um, after church. This lady had never been to this particular church. Um, She had formerly, years ago, attended another apostolic church in another part of the state and had walked away from God for many years and um, she was driving by this particular church on Sunday night where where we were having church. She was driving by, and when she passed the church sign, she said, something told me to turn around, to pull in that parking lot, and to walk into that sanctuary. She didn't know a soul. Uh, nobody in that church knew her, but she obeyed the, the voice of the Holy Ghost. She pulled in the parking lot, walked in the door. She stood at that pew, uh, she said, for just a couple of minutes, and she walked to the altar. And that night, God refilled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in, in that altar. Um, that same night, there was another man, same scenario, 
uh, came in a little after church had started. Him and his wife came and, and said about where Sister Burke is sitting there in relation to the pulpit. And as the Holy Ghost was moving, they, they uh, remained there in their pew, but the man was standing and, and one of the... Um, one of the elders in the church who, who is um, always the first to the altar. He's, he's in his 80s, uh, but he, he will out-worship anybody in that church. He was very observant of this couple, and he noticed that the man was standing, but he was, he was shifting his weight uh, in such a way that it appeared as if there was something wrong with one of his legs or a foot or something. And so... Um, he, he went over to the man and began to talk with him. And the man began to tell him uh, that for the last three days, I believe it was, uh, he had had excruciating pain in, uh, I believe it was his knee. And he said, um, he, said he, he couldn't hardly walk. He said um, he had been in the ER for hours the night before. They had done x-rays, everything they could do. They could find nothing wrong with his knee and couldn't explain why he was in so much pain, and he said, they sent me home, and I couldn't even walk up the steps to get into my house. And so they began to pray for that man, and uh, God healed him instantly, took all pain out of his knee, and uh, he came up. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty high platform at the church. There's five or six steps just to get up on the platform, and that man, I watched him. He couldn't. He couldn't hardly walk he ran up and down those those steps on that platform up and down up and down up and down and before that night was over uh he was baptized in jesus name and uh the here's the amazing thing he didn't know anybody in this church nobody knew him uh somewhere in the course of of that evening so he had been in the ER sometimes Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. He came to church Sunday evening. Somewhere in the course of Saturday night or Sunday morning, he talked to someone in North Dakota. Now, this church is in Texas. Uh, they still don't know who that was in North Dakota, um, but he, he talked to someone he knew in North Dakota about the pain that he was experiencing, and they said, you need to go to the Pentecostals of Atascacita. And um, so he went, and God did uh, a miracle, and, and his sins were, were washed away in the name of Jesus. Uh, so that was an amazing thing. There's other stories. Um, we were at another church, and um, goodness, I, don't, I, I think it was one of the, again, we were there for, uh, I think we were doing uh, a Sunday through Wednesday revival, two, two weeks back to back. I don't remember if it was the first week or second week, but somewhere in the course of that revival, um, there was a young man came in, sat on the the back row on on this side, long, unkept hair, big bushy beard, kind of a rough looking fella, and um, sat back there. He had been, I think his his dad was connected to the church in some way, and he had come as a kid, uh, but but had never really been in church or served God. But he came in, sat on that back row, and uh, I don't remember what I was preaching that night, but the power of God was there. You could sense conviction in the room. And I was winding down, and, and whatever it was, the particular point that I was on, I just really felt that there was a pull and a draw 
uh, for response. And so I, I just I made the statement. I said, um, I said, if you if you need a transformation in your life, if if I were you, I would run to this altar. And I no longer got that out of my mouth that that young man who hadn't really moved or responded, it wasn't like he was sitting back there crying and, and I could easily identify that God was moving uh, in his heart. But I no longer got that out of my mouth that that young man jumped up um, and I saw it all. It, almost, it could almost be startling. He jumped up so fast. He jumped up and he ran so fast down that middle aisle that he tripped and fell because he could not get to the altar fast enough. He ran, and I had heard stories. Uh, I had heard stories all my life of, of of my grandfather telling of people running to the altar, and you just don't see that a, a lot anymore. Uh, but that young man was so desperate and so hungry. He ran to that altar, and and sought the Holy Ghost. And he didn't get it that night. Every night of that revival, in fact, he came back to the altar, sought the Lord. And uh, the la- I think it was the last night of the revival, um, before church started, he walked in and he had he had gotten a a haircut, he had shaved that big scraggly bushy beard off, and we just thought, well, bless God, he's he's surely going to get the Holy Ghost tonight, and uh, he came to the altar, prayed, and and didn't receive it, so we thought, well, you know, it may take him a while, but he's going to get it. Uh, after church, we, we went to my wife and I. She had some family that attended that church. So uh, there was a bunch of us over at the pastor's house uh, eating pizza after church. And the pastor got a phone call from this young man. And he said, Pastor, I thought sure I was going to get the Holy Ghost in this revival. And he said, I got discouraged after church because I didn't get it. He said, but I, I uh, got in my truck. And I drove home, and I started praying, and I just spoke in tongues right here in my house. And so that was an amazing thing to see. And he's doing great uh, today. He's he's on fire, and and he's the biggest soul winner in that church now. So that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I well, think you had like a two or three part question there. I don't even know if I got to everything you. We're wanted. gonna move on actually, because okay, <laughs> no, it's it's good. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but we, we've got just a short amount of time left. So I, I wanted to get into a question here about uh, kind of the role of an evangelist in a church. Um, and I'll just read the question here. So Ephesians 4.11 includes evangelists within the fivefold ministry, also naming apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Uh, what role does evangelism play alongside these other ministries? Um, and how does it complement and strengthen them? And how is it strengthened by them? And I, I kind of want to add on to that just how do you view your role as coming into a church? I know it's a short time. Uh, it's kind of sort of fast and furious. You know, you're here for just a short time and then, and then gone. Um, what, do you, what do you feel like the role of an evangelist, how, to, kinda, how do you define that in the sure. church? Um, well, I think the, the, uh, the basis, the base definition, uh, according to Scripture, for uh, the role or the term of an evangelist is, is uh, to be a proclaimer of good news. Uh, that is, as you look at the New Testament and the instances where that term evangelist is used, it's in reference to one who who travels or goes or um, shares the good news of the gospel. Um, and so that that is in in its most basic and and uh, foundational form. That is what the role of the the evangelist is to do. 
uh, to travel and to proclaim the gospel. Uh, so an evangelist is is on a regular basis and frequently gonna gonna preach repentance and baptism in Jesus name, uh, the infilling of the the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, th- that is going to be a, a theme that that the evangelist is going to going to preach uh, quite often. Um, many evangelists, their niche, I guess you could say, is that's that's pretty much all they're going to preach. Um, that's the that's the calling of that that specific evangelist. That that is their gifting. Um, they're going to preach. They're going to preach the Acts two thirty eight, and p- people are going to receive the Holy Ghost. Um, and those are very much needed. Thank God for that. Um, there are other evangelists that um, it it would seem while they preach repentance, baptism, Jesus, name, the Holy Ghost, it would seem that their ministry is more tailored to um, the edification of the body or um, the strengthening of, of the saints, the encouragement of, uh, of the church. Um, and so there's not one that's elevated above the other. There's there, It's not that... Um, it's not that one can't function in in this or that role, uh, but I think I think that's a blessing. Thank God um, that there is diversity even among um, the roles and and the the evangelists that travel uh, within the apostolic church. Um, so um, yeah, I think in relation to the fivefold ministry. Um, there's 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 the emphasis of the evangelist that we want to see new people repent, baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. Um, but the fivefold ministry was in fact given for um, the edification of the body. Um, so I think there is there is that element of of just encouragement and bringing revival. So to go back to to what I initially began with. Some evangelists are going to come in and they're going to reap a harvest. Other evangelists may come in and they're going to revive the church and and perhaps even prepare the church for when that next guy does come and there's an influx of new people and and uh, new people born into the kingdom. And obviously, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the where the church is at in the moment when you're that when you're coming. You know what they sure. need, the needs of the, the church, and I know you guys are always very sensitive to the, the moving of God's spirit. Like you sure. talked about, feeling, feeling that going into it. That that's my, uh, that that's my uh, intention. That is my uh, perspective. Anytime I come to into a church, I'm not a guy that I I, I don't I'm, I don't want to box God in by the label that I've put on me. Um, I prefer to come into a church and to pray and seek the mind of God and try to discern where that church is and what God would desire to do uh, for those services. And and if that's preach Holy Ghost and see a harvest, then then that's what we'll do. If that's minister to the church, if that's encourage the saints, if that's to edify the body, then then that's what I'll do. And so I try not to. Uh, just this is me personally. I try not to be limited or or bound by uh, a label or a particular vein of ministry. I just try to feel after the Lord and whatever God wants. That's what we do. That's good. Um, are there times where you feel like God is kind of giving you a word that's more for the larger body that you will 
you know, you feel feel like God is wanting you to speak at multiple churches. Um, sure. And maybe that kind of goes back to that question about trends in the church. But sure. um, do, you, do you feel that as well, or does it see, uh, feel much more like individual to the church specifically? So it, it happens both ways. There are times where I will feel uh, God will give me something that, that I may preach to, to a congregation and then I may never preach that sermon again because that was for that church, and um, I, I never feel compelled to come back to that. Other times, yes, what you asked is very much the case. Um, there are messages that God will give us that it becomes clear that, yes, I'm going to preach this uh, a lot over the next six months uh, because this is something God is saying to the body uh, as a whole. And so uh, oftentimes... Um, there, there is, especially um, when we're doing a series of services, uh, a, a revival, um, there's, there's going to be at least one night in that revival where I address what I feel God has given me for the church a, as a whole in that particular season. Um, I, I feel like to your, to your question about prodigals, um, there, there is, there is right now, um, over the last three years we've seen it, there is a pull and a draw uh, we've seen many backsliders um, just show up just show up in a Sunday service not necessarily because someone invited uh, some of them it was because of an invitation but uh, particularly I can recall quite a few instances where no one invited but but like the story I told uh, happening in Texas they just drive by see the church see the sign whether they've been to that church or not it doesn't matter but God draws them uh, and so I do, I do feel like there is a drawing, and and I would say that that is a trend um, right now that that God is working, and God is uh, softening the hearts of of many people who have uh, walked away from Him. Uh, something else that I I have observed, and and there is there is um, a couple of of messages that God has given me that on on occasion I will preach. Um, Coming out of coming out of COVID, um, the year twenty twenty one, I think I, I think we preached more consecutive night revivals that year um, than we had done in in the the several years uh, prior to that. Um, just partly because you know twenty twenty was what it was. I don't have to explain that. Um, people were ready to do and. And people were ready to, to, to have church, and we were ready to, to, to get back at it. And there was a, a sense of urgency. And so the year 2021, we were doing three, four, five-night revivals just nearly every week. And um, I've seen, I've seen um, last year and then this year, uh, there's kind of been a tapering off of that. And, and I'm not just speaking to, like, scheduled revivals and and. This is not job security for me by any means, but I have observed uh, uh, over the last year, year and a half, that there was a there was a uh, a passion coming out of COVID. There was a an urgency that the church had, and because we were awakened and we were stirred, and and so many of the church just dug their heels in and said, "We gotta we gotta get some things right." And and I I. I have observed that there's kind of been that that complacency setting back in the church uh, because now we're two and three years past 
all of that craziness. We're, we're starting to settle back in. And so um, God has dealt with me the last year or so in some of those areas um, that we can't get comfortable. This is a time we are racing the rapture and and this is a time for us to move forward, to enlarge, to increase, and to do more than we've ever done before. Yeah, that's good. It's kind of settling back into uh, the pre-COVID yeah. complacency. Yeah. Um, we're almost uh, out of time here, but I just wanted to kind of get to another question here. Um, uh, how do you how do you deal with becoming so emotionally and spiritually invested in a church? Uh, and in this role of an evangelist, you know, picking up and leaving, you're gone. Uh, and then, you know, the church is here and they're, they're dealing with the highs and lows and the emotions of it. And they've come out, you know, uh, excited and revived. And then they, you know, they're here through life, you know, the, the life moments. But you guys kind of pick up and, you know, just naturally as part of that role, you're up and gone. Um, how do you kind of deal with the emotions of that uh, just I, I guess, um, you know, being invested, feeling that emotion like tied to a church. And I know you guys kind of come and go. You come to back to a church like here sure. uh, again. Um, but how do you kind of how do you kind of deal with that? So um, I would say uh, to answer this specifically, I wish my wife was here because uh, this is this is uh, more of a thing for her than it is for me. And it comes back to uh, a personality type. I'm not. Uh, I'm not an overly emotional person. Um, I I can pretty much. I can pretty much. Things are black and white to me in a lot of ways. Things are what they are. So I can come into a church, and I, I know I've got four services. Uh, we're here this date to that date, and while we're here, I'm all in. But when it's time to pull out, okay, it's over. It's done. We'll see you next time we come back. And I, that's not. That's not like, I don't know, maybe that sounds harsh. Maybe everybody just changed their view of this evangelist from Oklahoma. Um, to me, it's just I'm here and I'm all in, but when it's time to go, it's time to go. Uh, my wife is very much uh, an emotional feeler. Uh, she does get connected, and so when it comes, when we've been at a church for four or five nights or, you know, a couple of weeks, um, we, just, we just did two weeks in Michigan right before general conference. Um, and, and, uh, we've gotten, obviously, uh, we go there twice a year. And so we've gotten very close to the pastor's family. So when it comes to say goodbye, I mean, it's just taking a part of her heart out. And, uh, so she struggles with that, uh, more than I do. But, um, to me, it's just, uh, by nature of, of, of our calling, we're going to go from place to place. And so I, I, um, I just make sure that when I'm there, I'm all in and I am invested and I, I leave it all, um, leave it all there. Uh, but then when it's over, we, you know, just, okay, we did, if I did everything God instructed me to do and I did everything I, uh, possibly could do, then, then what more could, what more can I do? And, um, in Jesus name, we'll see you next time, you know? Well, and, uh, tagging onto that, just when, when you do feel, uh, like you're spinning your wheels a little bit and you're emotionally invested in it uh, and you're not seeing the results, you're not seeing like, you know, uh, you, you preach your heart out, you, you feel like you did a, a good thing and then you're not getting much of a response. I mean, 
the emotions kind of walk me through that? Yeah, so um, that, that, that's a great question because there are times where you come in and, and you think this is going to happen or you, you, you feel like that's going to happen or there's going to be a particular outcome of a service or a revival. Um, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. And it can be very easy for an evangelist to get discouraged um, and when a revival's over and, and 10 didn't get the Holy Ghost or whatever, it can be easy to, 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 to internally question, you know, what did I do wrong or did I not pray enough or uh, did, I, did I do something wrong or um, am, I not, am I not living up to, to this calling? Um, that can be very easy, and, and, and I've certainly done my share of that. Um, but it's, it, it comes back to what I said a moment ago. Um, I try, I try to, to be all in, and uh, whatever I feel to do, whatever God instructs me to do, uh, I'm careful to be obedient to that. And when the revival's over, I, I, I've just had to teach myself and discipline myself not to get caught up in the what ifs and the and the should I haves and, and all of those things. If I've got a good conscience that I did everything that God told me to do and I did all that I could to seek the will and the mind of God, um, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do myself harm by agonizing over what didn't or could have or should have happened. Um, and and again, maybe that comes back to a personality. I don't know, but uh, to me, I just I just live with a good conscience that I've done everything I can. I I did my best. I I got the mind of God, and um, there's nothing more than that than I could have done. Awesome. Well, we're out of time, but uh, I'll throw you a curveball. Any uh, of your favorite books, or yeah, so uh, recommended books, maybe. Recently? So. Um, this is this is uh, uh so I, I I love old books I mentioned that so I don't I read some newer releases um, but I love uh, old uh, Christian classics I guess you could say I, I love the old uh, sermon books that that you got to find an old used bookstore to, to get um, but just off the top of my head if um, so if you've never read Gene Edwards a tale of three Kings uh, that's amazing if you've never read uh, by the same author, um, uh, uh, Prisoner in the Third Cell. It's it's kind of a, a, I guess you could say, a historical fiction spin on the story of uh, John the Baptist. Um, that is incredible. Um, I read that earlier this year, and when it gets to the end, I mean, it just it just it would just about rip your heart out. Uh, so there's the, both of those. Um, A.W. Tozer's, um, I think it's A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God is incredible. Um, I, I love anything by uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Um, of course, his most popular is Why Revival Tarries. Um, th those are outstanding. Um, there's so much, many people don't like this. It can be, be kind of hard to, to decipher because of the language, but but John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, there's so much to wring out of that. Even if you don't even get through the whole book, I mean, you can read a, a, a chapter of that, a few pages of that, and, and get something out of it. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot I could... Uh, do, you have a, do you have a favorite book, like, in your collection, an old book that you just, like, is 
one that you never want to part with? Um, I don't know that I have one um, singular. Um, I, I love the old sermon books. So back from the mid-1800s, late-1800s, early-1900s. Uh, so there's several of those by particular uh, authors that are kind of rare and hard to find um, I, that I wouldn't I wouldn't want to part with those just because um, for me I, I didn't I didn't go to Bible college my wife did I did not uh, and so my my education so to speak for ministry has been just digging it out studying reading and uh, those old sermons um, there was, of course, mo most of them are not uh, apostolic in the sense of, of believing the full truth, just as we uh, we do. Uh, but they had such an understanding of, of the Word of God, and um, their language was so more developed than, than our vernacular is today. And so there's just something about First of all, an old book and the musty smell that comes out when you turn the page. Uh, there's that, and then just just um, that 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 old, not old English. I'm not talking about that, but just just a more um, classy way of communicating. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's good. But that that's that's what I enjoy. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for yes, talking with you. us today. And amen. And we'll give you about 10 minutes and we'll get started with worship.